Hello, I'm Mark Tucker. And I'm Alan Furstenberg. We are Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. How are you doing today, Alan? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Oh, doing just fine. Good to hear. Many adventures of, uh, of coding and different operating systems. <laughs> <laughs> always, always an adventure trying to, to deal with, uh, with other people who aren't quite on the same platform as you. Yeah, no, I've just been doing Windows development, you know, I guess development on Windows and I guess Windows development too for, for decades and then just never made the, the move over to a Mac. And I know a lot of people do on Macs and they swear by them and love them. And, um, and it really hasn't been an issue until you know, every once in a while I get on a project where um, all the scripts and everything are set up for those that are developing on a Mac. And then I have to try to figure out what am I going to do? Do I rewrite all the scripts so that there's Windows equivalents? Do I, so I, I find this time around for the first time I've tried uh, Windows subsystem for Linux and, and got pretty far. Um, but then there were always some, these an annoying issues when it came time to check in code or debug in Visual Studio code or other things. So I finally, in frustration, posted something today. And thanks to John Kelvey, I am trying um, Visual Studio Code Remote and a few other things. And I don't know, that might be my solution. Yeah. Seems to be working OK so far. It's always a good start. Always good to learn something new and see if that, that helps in the broader approach to things, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. I very much appreciate people that are willing to answer my weird questions or my, <laughs> my, my throw up my hands and like, ah. Oh. Well, you know, I think one of the important things about that to remember is that your weird question has almost certainly been asked by someone else before. <laughs> so either there is an answer out there or there is somebody else who wants that answer to be out there. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's kind of what we do. That's as developers, that's kind of our life too, in yeah. a lot of ways, is just either finding the answers or helping someone else find the answers. And that's an important role for a for a, a senior developer, even for a junior developer. Yep. Well, and it's every day is there something new? Either even if you're doing the same technologies, you've got a different application, different problems, different requirements. Or it's, hi, I'm learning something brand new today. Different framework, different library, different mm -hmm. <laughs> different way of doing things. Um, and that's one yeah. of the things that you're always learning with development. I, I feel like it's always one more question. And it's always that question. It's, it's the question that even when you think you know something really well, you get that one more question or you have that one more question. You're like, yeah, I don't know this platform as well as I thought I did or this system or this compiler or this whatever, yeah. whatever it is we're using, it's always that one more question. And I think that's great. That's one of the things I like about this industry in some ways. Yeah. I, I also, sometimes I just like to say, hey, show me how you do this. Yeah. And watching how somebody else approaches it, and you're like, oh, I think your way is better. <laughs> or, you know, that, or even if it's not better, it gives me a new way to think about what yeah. I'm doing to help me understand the bigger picture better. You know, and right. that helps me do what I do the way I do it better. No, definitely. Just there's so much to learn. Um, there, yeah. And a lot of times we learn from the questions that we get asked, right? Exactly. Which I guess kind of brings us to this week, which is based on a question that we got from our friend Rebecca Evanhoe, who um, kind of tossed out some questions to us about device capabilities and how uh, we as developers 
can know what kind of device it's running on. And, and Rebecca asked this as a designer. And I think this, you know, one of the things this highlights to me is saying designers, you know, have a certain perspective on things and then kind of need to check in with the developers and make sure that it can actually be done. Right. And in this case, it was one of those, you know, can you find out what a device can do? Or do you just have to make a bunch of assumptions sometimes? Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot uh, to explore on that. Um, so on the Alexa side, capabilities are, are a lot of times, I guess you'll see them in the developer console as interfaces and in the JSON that's coming into your request as supported interfaces. So as part of each request that you get, you get a list of um, some information about which interfaces are supported. And it's it's two parts, because during development time, you need to go to the console and say, you know, I am going to support the audio player check. I'm going to support the video player. I'm going to support regular display templates or now the new style APL templates. So there's a number of different uh, settings. Um, let's see, I think I named most of them. Yeah, so audio, video, display, and an APL. Oh, and web API for games. So if you're gonna use one of or more of those things in your skill, you need to let uh, Alexa know ahead of time via the um, console and in, uh, inside the developer console, the interfaces tab, so that you know, it knows what types of things to look out for. And when you do that, during runtime, when the request comes in, you can check a specific location in your request and see what the supported interfaces are. And it will say, yes, I support audio player. You know, this device supports audio player, or this device is a screen device, and so it supports APL. Mm -hmm. um, so, those are, so, so that's kind of a, a two-part. Um, and that type of information that you get is, is just very high level, like, yes, I support it. And maybe, like with APL, I support version, you know, the, the highest version that I that this device supports currently is this version. So then you, you might be able to do some checks and say, okay, I'm not going to show this new feature that I know is not, or use this new feature that's not quite out yet for all the mm -hmm. devices. It's, it's similar on the Google side with, uh, I think an interesting variant. So, so looking at what you get on the runtime first, it gives you an array of what it refers to as capabilities. And they can be uh, speech, uh, long form audio, interactive, web link, I can it launch a web browser or go to a link, and rich response. And it, it seems it kind of in some ways funny that one of the capabilities is speech. <laughs> and that, that seems a little odd, but it, it seems like they were thinking about the fact that there might be some assistance that only run on something that doesn't have a speaker. Yeah. Like a watch. And that's, or um, inside a Google Meet chat, or, you know, it's part of what used to be Allo. So, in that way, it, it kind of makes sense. Um, what's, we'll get to some of the oddities of that later, I think. Um, but also, you can list what it refer in the, in the actions console, what it refers to as a required capability. So for required capabilities, you then say that you need to have access to the interactive canvas, or you need a web link, or you need something with a screen and that will support rich response. There's a, um, 
a screen as part of the action console, which you has a bunch of toggles and say, here's what I need. And it will tell you what devices it can run on. So as, oh, you, that's nice. as you toggle things on and off, it will say, well, this runs on you know, phones and smart displays, or you know, this will run on speakers and phones and smart displays, or this won't run on Android Auto now. So it's, it's kind of clever in that way, but it's also not completely obvious in all cases. But, but uh, that goes all the way into the, um, the actions uh, directory, right? So you could see yes. for any particular app, oh, this, this is the device I have and is it supported, yes or no? Well, so here's the thing. It will show you what devices are supported, but when it comes to something like the assistant link, that's not exactly considered. So assistant links are yet yeah. another oddity in this case. The other interesting notion with this is that interactive canvas itself is not one of those toggles right now. Yeah. In order to get interactive canvas, <laughs> you have to go to a separate spot on the console and say, yes, this is a game. And now- and then, or, and then once you say it's a game, then you have that now all of a sudden you have this super secret toggle. Right, that, that opens save. up. Yeah. It's a little convoluted still. Um, and you yeah. actually, in that case, you need to check both of those checkboxes. So you need to say both this is a game and this uses the interactive canvas. Um, but once you get that, you get the so capability that, yeah. showing up. And so then you can, you know, as part of the request coming in, you can say, oh, this does support this or, you, you know, yeah. or I guess you'll, it would actually check against the device you're currently running on and saying that this device does support this capability, right? Yeah. So when the request comes in, you'll get, you'll, it'll first make sure that it can run on the device. And if it can't, it says, I'm sorry, this action won't run on this device. So it doesn't even get sent to you. Oh, so, so that's interesting. It does a pre-check even before it invokes the, the action. I would say it's as part of the invocation. I'm not entirely sure what stage it is that it does that check. But you, you didn't have to write any additional no, code. There, there's nothing that I have to write. It, it never hits my backend. It never hits my webhook. Okay. If I have indicated interactive long-form media is required and it gets called without the long-form media capability available. Because that's interesting because the toggles, even though on, on Alexa, you need to check which devices or which interfaces you want to support, there is no check that you support it. So then huh. you also have to check before you send um, like APL back or something, you know, does it support, does this device support APL? Even if you've said that it requires APL? Yes. So like, uh, yeah. Like my uh, picture guesser game um, that I've deployed all the way back in 2018, you know, back then it was just display templates. Um, I had to mark that it supported display templates, but then I had to check in my code at the very beginning during the launch intent to say, if it's not, if this device does not support display templates, then give them a message saying that, um, that this is only supported um, with screen devices and then gracefully exit. Interesting. It's yeah. actually, it's, it's very interesting in some cases. I've had code that is expecting something like a, a media, a long media device, a, a long form media, and it will send that back. And the action will be, of, will has considered to have crashed because I've sent back something that I've said that uh, the 
device type doesn't support. Oh, interesting. And I didn't do the check for it. I just, you know, assumed that everything will support whatever it was at the time. No, no, with long form media, that's um, audio player and video player. It is the, it's what's known as the media player, which right now is just an audio player. Oh, just an audio. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's long form audio as opposed to audio, you can embed it SSML. Yes. Long form video, we can, we can discuss ways to deal with that, but it, it basically involves the interactive canvas. Yes, and I was gonna say, it does. <laughs> Finally, that has uh, interactive canvas, um, does support that. Um, other things on the Alexa site, interestingly, because I told you the whole list of things that were things that you need to pre-check before and there's a toggle. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of other things that you get in, in, in supported interfaces as part of the requests coming in that has to do with if you're running a device that uh, has a GPS. So there oh, are some additionally okay. flags. Yeah, so like, for example, I'll name a couple of devices. I have a, um, oh, I'm trying to remember who makes this. Um, Anchor makes a, uh, an embedded Alexa uh, device that you plug into your, your you know, audio, your, your whatever, your audio jack, and then your, just your lighter, I guess your power port, they call them nowadays. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> used to be the old cigarette, the old cigarette lighters lighter, yes. long ago. <laughs> um, the, um, and so you, you can get information like, does this support uh, ge you know, geolocation? Does it support navigation? And then you can you know, work with that. Also, there's a, um, a certain flag that says is automotive. Now the special is automotive flag, I only get on Echo Auto not some of these other um, in-car echo party <laughs> devices I've got. So interestingly, so, but you can do some additional things. You can change some behavior, make your prompts shorter, give us some sort of a message saying, hey, um, you're in the car, let's, you know, maybe it's not best to play this or, you know, do this at this time or, so you can, you can do a number of different things. But uh, that reminds me of another thing called, um, or, or I guess the way that you can communicate with actions and the way actions can communicate with devices. And those are events and directives. Well, before we get to events and directives though, yes. I, I, I guess I wanna kind of look at the parallel on the Google oh, good, side. Go ahead. And there is none. So, <laughs> I mean, there, there is no flag to indicate whether Android Auto is running. Oh. Um, there's no flag to indicate if you're on Anchor's automotive product. And if you want location, you need to go through the hoops of asking for location if you're in dialogue flow, and you can't get it if you're an action builder. So you're, you're really out of luck. Room for improvement for in, in automobile devices for Google? Is that what you're saying? Sure, we'll look at it that way. I, you know, I, I think certainly on the automotive side right now, they're, they're mostly thinking about it as an app action. So you have an Android auto app action that has voice enabled capabilities to it. And that's a, a completely different approach than, right. than how we tend to think about actions and skills right now. So you can drive an existing mobile app with your voice is that what you're, what you're yeah. talking about? Well, that's what app actions are, are aiming to do. Yeah. Yeah. But not having, not, not voice activating or specifically voice activating actions. 
No, not in the same way. Not again, not in the same no, way, that, the same way. That, that we think of them now. They're they're meant to be more embedded apps. Okay. More more a conventional a conventional notion of how we think of apps. <laughs> so, do you want to talk about anything else about? Uh, no, let's, Auto? So, so let let's let's hear about uh, events and directives. Events and directives. Thank you. Yes. All right. So so when you go in and you do your normal voice input, then it resolves into an intent with slots, and that calls a handler that's inside of your code. As far as events go. They're, they can be kind of handled similarly, but it's not something that the user initiates with voice. So it could be uh, you know, touching something on the screen. Um, it could be like, like your skill is enabled, your skills disabled. There's a number of different events that happen oh. that you can get notifications of and do things inside your, uh, uh, inside your skill. And a lot of times actually, it's like an out of band, you know, out of session. Your your skill still runs and acts as a back end and processes things, but it's not in in part of any type of user, um, you know, turn by turn session mm. that they're that they're using the the skill. So that's getting information into a skill. To get information from a skill back to the device, you use um, directives, and so. What and I think they've been pretty consistent with this over time for for quite a long time. Uh, just think of a directive as um, additional JSON that you tack on to that response JSON that comes back, and it's got a specific name. And then you've got a number of different parameters that you can send information back. Um, now, now these directives are part of a normal conversation, or they're also part of an out-of-band conversation. Like, a, no, these are part of a normal conversation. Okay. So, when you when you invoke something with an action and you want to do something, like um, your you know simple case um, is that you want to show a screen along with your response, then you're going to send a directive that's part of a you know that includes APL, and it, and it's okay. going to include the JSON that that for the JC the um, the JSON for the APL, which is then going to get sent back as part of the response. And then the device is actually going to get that. And the device is going to do something with the information inside that directive and says, oh, I got APL. So I'm going to show that on the screen using this information and, and do whatever I need to do with that. OK. And th this is also, I assume, the same method that's used to set timers, for example, on the local device. Um, is that done with directives? Oh, you know what? I'd have to look. I OK. I'm sorry. I probably. I, would, I, I didn't I would mean to catch off guard on that. <laughs> That's right. I'd have to look. I'm, I've done reminders, um, and sometimes I, sometimes things just get hidden behind you know something with uh, with Jovo. So then I'd have to actually go back and behind the scenes and look and like, oh yeah, that is a directive that makes sense. I would say probably it is. That that would be the same thing that makes sense. Um, you know, you get your part of your response, which is your text to speech, which then gets converted into audio by the Alexa service on the way back. And that's played on the device. And there's some stuff that's just passed, just to pass through. Um, interestingly, some of the new APL for audio stuff um, goes and is processed on the middle tier. And then that's passed back as audio onto the, onto the device as opposed to having any mm -hmm. type of processing on the device for that. So I, it's usually relatively simple things, I would think. Um, that you can include with that. And there's different types of devices, like there's screen devices or there's that um, echo dot with clock that has a special form of APL called APLT for text. Mm -hmm. Missing um, the one that's missing some letters, right? 
that is the one that is, that is missing some letters uh, uh, as part of the response. But uh, like for some of the navigation things, if you can do navigation, you can say um, like you can do a directive that would say, this is my destination and you could pass information hmm. about your destination and then the device would be able to, to do the um, navigation for you okay. to handle that. Or if you're, if you do some, like some sort of a voice command to say, stop, stop navigation, then it would be a directive that you can send back down to the, the device that actually turns that off. So it's, it's basically a way of passing information and kind of triggering that something's going to happen um, on the device and the device is, is who actually worries about it and processes mm -hmm. it. So, so that's kind of how uh, directives so, work. So I'm afraid I'm going to ask you something again that, that you might not have played with enough. Um, so are directives what also sends the data back to, uh, if you're using web API for games? So there is a directive. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it is because there is a special um, alexa.presentation.html type that gets supported. So I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that that's what ends up happening. So similar to um, passing information from a Google action that then you know ends up calling the on update JavaScript yeah. inside your, you know, whatever, because part of the, the response is the URL that it's going to. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's how Web API for games works as well. That it's handled, and that's handled using a directive. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the case. I, I'll check afterwards, and if it's not, then we'll put it in the show notes. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> so that is, that's the information of uh, passing things back. Interestingly enough, and I don't know, maybe do you, do you get any additional information on the Google side of things? Like, you know, how big of a screen you're on? Um, no. It, nope. no, no, no additional information along those lines. Nope, none of that comes across at all. Um, in fact, we, yeah, no. The, the only way to handle that is uh, if you're using the interactive canvas, you obviously have access to that information because you're running JavaScript in a, on the screen. Um, and then you can send that back as if you wish, but it's totally up to oh, you right. to handle yeah. that if you want. Um, in general, the server treats it as device agnostic okay. or specific device agnostic. Yeah, so since there's a number of things that you could make, I guess, decisions about on the inside the Lexus skill side of things, because um, in some ways it's it's acting like it's a server um, and, you know, old style, um, you know, web pages where all the processing that was done on the server and then you returned the HTML back that was just rendered on the client. Right. APL is kind of like that. So there's a number of things that you can do or that they expect you to be able to do to check to see, you know, uh, some different arguments and then you could, you know, um, process things differently. So that's- so, so on the server, so as part of, and, and you know, once upon a time as part, of HT, as part of HTTP, you did get things like, what is the screen size? What is the operating yeah. system? And over time, we learned to stop trusting that because everyone was lying. <laughs> um, but it sounds like yeah, so, so, that's an, in, so so th so it's things like uh, screen size. Do you get device type or device model? Uh, 
no no so you don't get anything specific like that and you know mm, okay so it's it's interesting because you get information um here i'll just like read through some of this stuff that you get so um you get a viewports um object back uh, an array that has different information and so it tells you like if it's a rectangle versus if it's a you know a circle that good old um echo spot that's not around uh -huh. anymore gives you the dpi it gives you um a mode that's a, a hub versus i guess something else i'm i'm thinking that like tv would be coming back as something else hmm, okay uh gives you some video codecs that are supported um it gives you you know the pixel width and pixel height uh, that you can do things with um and then it starts giving you some information like especially with the new echo show 10 that's out that rotates so you get a flag if it you know can you rotate it um, and it gives you some information about how it responds to uh, touch. Is it, uh, can you do a single touch? Uh, you know, is it, uh, does it support the remote? You know, cause certain things like a TV supports um, kind of the equivalent of touch, but you'd have to use that with, uh, you know, using the, the, the remote control keypad uh, to do that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. No, it's interesting. Uh, that, that all makes sense. Yeah. That I, I think what's most interesting about that is rather than try to map kind of generic concepts, it kind of says, okay, it's up to you to figure out what you want your APL to, to look like. Yeah. Given these parameters, and here's a pile of parameters. And I think it's interesting if you contrast that, for example, with Bixby, who essentially is saying, we're not going to give you anything. But it's up to you to write all of these different templates to handle your how you want things to look on these different devices. And here are the various templates that are available to you. Right. Now, with APL, you do have some, you know, it's, APL is, once again, a JSON format that that is doing the equivalent of what HTML would do and some of what CSS would do um, for, for the device. And um, you do have some capabilities to do some, you know, like some conditions and say, you know, okay. if, kind of like what you would think would be responsive breakpoints in the web. You could test for different hub sizes or, or different things to, you know, help indicate like, oh, this is template is going to be used on this case, or this template is going to be mm -hmm. used in this case. And, and there is some capability to make them responsive too, by using, you know, units that are not specifically pixels, but are like percentages of the screen type of thing. So it's kind of interesting because you've got some, some control over you know, what's happening on the server um, and you've got some control on the, um, on the device. Interestingly, uh, at least unless they've changed it recently, if you wanted to send the smallest possible background image um, down for the device that's supported, you would have to check that on the server and send a different URL Otherwise, you could send like the really big one, and then it would have to, you know, shrink it or crop it. Or, it was a downscale or yeah. downscale, yeah. So, so you have do have some capabilities. In some ways, I wish it was easier to just be able to, to say, "Here's a here's a directory with all my images in it, and pick the run that's the the right one." But, but that's how that's how that part works. Interesting. Um, yeah. Now. I mentioned before that there were some some gotchas with the device capabilities. 
and in particular thinking about the um, the one that says there's a speaker. One of the the yes. interesting gotchas is I haven't found a device yet that doesn't report speaker. Um, so they all seem to. This includes the assistant running on an Android device, even when you're typing into it and when you invoked it by keyboard. Okay. And that's a kind of, this was something you and I had discussed when you were testing something with Snatchword, you discovered that you weren't getting any audio. Yes. And the reason we figured out was because you were, it was being launched by keyboard and the person was typing stuff in. So they were never hearing anything. And that's because the assistant on Android says, if you don't invoke it by voice, you may be in a scenario where you can't or shouldn't speak. And yep. since you can't speak, we're not going to speak either. That's and that makes some sense. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. logic to this. The problem is it doesn't tell you this in the capabilities. Yes. So the capabilities continue to report that you have a speaker, even if you don't. Well, and you and and there's nothing that you can that you do, right? You just keep passing back the audio back as part of your SSML, and they're like, I don't know. Yeah. It's so I'm I'm wondering, you know what? I haven't looked at this. Um, maybe that's where uh, and I haven't really used this on SSML for for an audio link um to specify text to say if the audio isn't yes. there. I mean that that's certainly where you would use it. Or yeah. or that's certainly where they're expecting you to use it and it makes sense, but there's no way to test for the capability about whether it's gonna do it or not. That's true. Because you know, certainly you can see cases where even if you are uh, sending stuff back, you might deliberately adapt to something completely different if you know they're not even going to hear some of what you're trying to say. Yeah, and um, I was looking at this just recently. This reminds me of um, a feature that was released all the way back in 2018 for Alexa called Tap to Alexa. That means that it's a special setting. You go into accessibility and you say, turn on Tap to Alexa. What that means is that um, you can launch, you can set up um, like what you would say, open such and such skill or what's the weather or things to the point where it's just an icon that you tap on the screen and then it opens it up. And, and some of the first party stuff that's built in, I'm assuming uh, hopefully all of the first party stuff that's built in like weather and timers and stuff has a UI so that you have feedback to that. But if, if I'm somebody that, you know, maybe it's a household where I have Alexa devices with screens around, but there is somebody that has, um, you know, that's deaf or, or has a hearing loss um, and they want to interact with the same types of things with just tap and keyboard, then um, then you'd have to actually approach additional things you know, with your APL where anytime there's an input, you'd have to be able to provide a way for them to type into a keyboard and that's not something that's built in. So mm -hmm. then you'd have to build a whole keyboard and APL with the ability to type and, and all that. So um, it seems like there's a use case that's not necessarily being handled where people want to use these screen devices, but they don't or can't use hearing either right. way. And they just want to do it screen only, but still use the same things that other people in the household are using or, or just sure. want to use the technology. Right, certainly there are use cases we can picture where you don't want to hear anything. Yep. And 
sometimes that just means being a little more expansive in your design. And sometimes that means you may need to adapt very yeah. dramatically. There, there are certainly some, uh, some games that I play that, well, I mean, for that matter, crosstalk relies on the fact that you're going to hear the question. Yeah. And that was a bad choice. That's, that's a bad design. And that needs to be, you know, I need to fix that. Yeah, so that's that's. I think we, we've gotten a little bit into accessibility, and you know there are some you know definitely advantages if you're if you're blind, then voice is a great um, opportunity. But I think there's you know you've got some ability to go either direction or kind right. of you know support both of those use cases better. No, and I, and I think and again, using the device capabilities and figuring out what the device capabilities lets us figure out what is the best way to adapt mm -hmm. under different circumstances. And yeah, so if, if the user like selects, right there yeah. yet, yeah. Yeah, if, this, if the user has a, a setting where they say uh, audio off, then we should be able to have that capability saying, oh, they're in an audio off situation. And then we can behave, you know, uh, appropriately. appropriately. Well, and it, it sounds like Google at least theoretically supports that, you know, if, if speaker is off, you know, if you don't yeah. get the speaker capability, then make sure you handle that. And, and what does that mean? How do you, how yeah, do you handle that? I, I haven't seen any documents from either side that really go into, no. to what to do in that situation. I haven't either because I think everyone's assuming that it's going to have a speaker. Yeah, that's, that's true. So that, that's a topic we will have to revisit in the future. <laughs> after we talk to some people yeah or you know or if you know more than uh, us about this situation we'd love to hear from you because this is kind of an interesting thing that i've just bumped into recently and thought you know it makes sense that we need to figure out you know what to do in these different scenarios yeah and it's an important one you know i think we want to make sure that we design systems that everybody can use it just means we need to be aware of what that means sometimes yeah I have another question, and I think you alluded to it um, at some point about devices, identifying uh, unique devices. So, uh, yes. So on the Alexa side of things, every device in my household has a unique um, device ID. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm pretty sure it's like the user ID that I use in, inside of a separate skill, then the device ID is going to be different. So there's not really a way to to keep track or track somebody's devices across skills, even across skills that are by the same publisher. But but you can do some interesting things. Like if you have a skill that behaves differently based on what room you're in, you could you could say during setup, like, hey, what room are you in? And you're like, I'm in the kitchen, I'm in the living room. And you could then record, you know, say, oh, that flag is associated with this particular device ID. So every time that I start it back up, I can say, hey, I can see you're back in the kitchen and, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever, right? Um, so interestingly, I, I, I did try that too, that, um, that I ran my skill on a couple of different devices at the same time. So I'm assuming that I could be playing the same game or executing the same skill and get different IDs based on you know who who it is. I, mean, I guess w what device it is. Well, what device it is, right? Yeah. That's... And you could then kind of equate that to like, oh, this is you know this this is one's in my you know kids' room. This one's in the family room. This is, and so you could then I guess set up a scenario where you could play against other people in your household. 
mm -hmm. uh, because you have a different uh, device ID. So you could. That's well, each one would also be a different session, so you can. Yep. You can track it like that, but you can also kind of you know it, there there are certainly things that you can do when you know what the device ID when you know you're on a different device. Yes. So no. you're 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 asking, can this be done on Google? Yeah. No. So is, is there is there even like a concept of a device ID? And if there is, is it the same across all devices? So so the the short answer is there is a concept of a device ID and there is a concept of a device name. It's part of what they refer to as the home graph. And if you are building a, a smart home system, you have kind of a side door access to that, but it's only a side door access. Okay. You don't actually know what any given device is. You don't actually know where it is. You're given some idea about it. And in the conversational world, we don't have access to it at all. Okay. So in a standard action, that's a, not a yep. smart, no. We have no home. access whatsoever. Uh, um, we'll, I, I will also use this opportunity to remind <clears throat> you, we also don't have access to a session ID or a user ID. I didn't know um, about the session ID that you didn't have that. No, we have, we have interesting. Nothing. I mean, we have ways to synthetically create a session ID and synthetically create a user ID. Right. Um, but, and then store that so that, that it always comes back. Or, right. Yeah. So, so we, have, we have ways to do it, but uh, we don't have one that Google gives us. And we certainly don't have a device ID. Mm. Now, we do have access to a home graph. So or sorry, we have access to home storage, which is only available to everything that's part of the same home graph. Okay. Which does not include mobile devices because they're not part of the home graph. Oh, okay. Because you had said something like that they're all part of the same, but then I've te tested um, like on my phone versus on my, um, my hub. And uh, so they're not the same, huh? No, they're not the same user. No, and it's not entirely clear why, especially because there are first party actions that clearly can do this. So for example, if I wanna send a message to a specific other speaker, I could say broadcast a message to and I could name the speaker and it would yeah. work. And I can do that from my mobile device because it knows where my home home graph is. Oh. but. I don't get access to the same thing on a third party action level. Okay. So the short answer is the short answer for all practical purposes is no. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. <laughs> all right. Unfortunately. You can sort of see what why why there are some obvious privacy implications here that I think Google was trying to avoid, but it does get frustrating. Yeah. But you know, just like they kind of they punted that with the uh, user ID that you have to generate, yeah. And and the way that Alexa handles it is that you know some user they know who you are because you've got an Alexa account, so they know what your email is. They have access to you know payments. There's a number of, you know they they know all all bunch of stuff about you, right? But when it comes to a an Alexa skill, 
then when you invoke it or enable it, then it um, it gets a unique um, ID mm -hmm. that for that user. So what? So for that if, user for that skill. Yeah, and and in some cases for that enablement. So like if I were to disable it and then re-enable it again, then I would get a separate ID. Mm -hmm. um, and then they then they've gone. You know, I guess they've extended that to devices that every device that's been in, that's being used on this enabled skill gets a, a unique ID as well. Yeah, and you know, I think that's let's put it this way. I think that's reasonable assurances of privacy. Yeah, uh, I guess somebody in Google's security department doesn't think so. <laughs> and beyond that, I couldn't tell you why. Yeah. So I, I think we've gone through quite a bit about capabilities. There's definitely more to read up on it. And there's some of these interfaces that I, I really haven't used um, yet. I haven't had a situation to use them, um, but uh, would totally be interested in how people are using those capabilities, some tips and tricks about them. Um, a shout out to the APL Ninja site. Um, it's a site where it's kind of like CodePen or some of those other programming sites, but it's all about APL. So you can uh, do snippets of APL or start building and learning or looking at code that ever, somebody else has done for APL. And um, that will give you some you know, indications on how to use some of this stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, that fits into this capabilities talk as well. Um, if you and, have a device that takes APL. And a thanks to Rebecca for her question. Hopefully we answered it. Um, but if not, let us know, and we'll attack. Uh, we'll address it on another show. Yeah. Um, and again, if if you've got questions that you're curious about, or you're trying to figure out, or you want answered, let us know, and we will try to answer it on a future show. Yeah. And until then, happy coding. Happy coding, everyone. We are two voice devs. Two voice devs. Take care. Take care. Have a good week, Mark. Thanks. You too, Alan. <laughs>